Welcome back to the Mama Show. This is your host Rohit. Today we have Rick, the director of Ageless Entrepreneur and Inventor. Thank you, Rick, for getting into the show. Hi, Rohit. Glad to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Awesome. Would you just like to give a quick intro about yourself? You know, like how you got started with your entrepreneurship journey. You own a bunch of patents as well. You are the inventor of a bunch of new inventions, you know. So how you would like to describe yourself to the audience? Well, thank you. Um, I am a lifelong entrepreneur and innovator. Uh, there was a spell in the middle of my career where I did become an inventor. Uh, I hold a number of patents in uh, water treatment, um, but that's one of many things. I started as a young kid running up and down between cars in the morning selling newspapers. And I learned uh, we got to keep two cents of every paper. And uh, I enjoyed that. I really liked it. We did it during our summers. It was dangerous work. My pa parents wouldn't let their kids do this in the United States right now. But uh, I learned a lot from it. And I still try to add value to the basic commodity work uh, still at this point in my life, which is uh, multiple decades into it. This, at this point in my life, I have uh, begun a new nonprofit organization called the Center for Ageless Entrepreneurs. And I'm uh, looking forward to launching that to con first to support ex older entrepreneurs, maybe 45 and up, and um, also to connect them to younger entrepreneurs. I see this brilliant young group of young people coming up and this older group that's been through the ringers, I'd mm. love to connect them. And then, and we're starting to do a project just like that. I get it. <clears throat> I get it. I get it. Cool. Awesome. So tell me like, uh, well, my first question is like, how easy it is to start a business? Is it easy? Well, it depends on the pressure you put on your own self and the metrics you decide if you're successful. I tell people from my experience that everything takes longer than you expect. I don't care how smart you are or how much money you have, something gets in the way. So the idea of starting a very fast business and getting it out of the gates and being the number one as fast as possible is, it's certainly doable, but that's not my experience with it. If you set modest expectations, start small, start smart and start right now. Um, in that context, it's relatively easy to start a business. Now, are you going to succeed in that business? That's pretty much up to each entrepreneur. Um, but but it, it the, this to be able to start one, it's so much easier now than when I was a young man. Now, yeah, now it's easy to start a business. But it is easy, but it's not easy to get going. Well, right. And the success part of that is um, the metrics that you set for yourself. If yeah. you have investors in your company, it's not just your opinion that counts. That's right. You've got to pay attention to what the investors want and how fast they want their money and how <clears throat> fast they want to get out. But if it's a one person business, I'm dealing with largely older entrepreneurs right now. And they don't need investment money. Typically, they're going to start a one or a two person consultancy. Uh, if that's the case and you have a specialty of subject matter expertise, you can get in the game fairly quickly. 
uh, it's not a way to get rich, but it's a way to stay resilient and to continue to make contributions to communities you love and markets you know well. Okay. So what do you mean by start small, start smart and start now? Starting now means starting as soon as possible, as early as possible, because even the McDonald guy has started his first KFC, I guess. KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, you know, started. So even the McDonald as well, after the 50s, these guys have started, you know. Well, so the start right now part of this is I use the analogy and I do this, everybody does. It's an old trope, but when's the best time to plant a tree? You know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is today because it, it will take, in my experience, there's probably smarter people than me in the world that can do this differently. But for me, it always takes longer than I expect and that I had planned for. And so the idea is just start right today and do something small every single day to advance the cause of that new business. Um, that's, that's, the, that's the timing part of this. The start small, I always advise, don't go chasing venture capital money around out of the gate. It's, it's just way too complicated for most people. Yeah. Uh, you start as a one or a two person business, establish you know, the idea of sending invoices and cashing checks and uh, establishing your business. And the start smart part, Rohit, is one that's really important to me. Um, when I was a young person, everybody had this image of the entrepreneur as this lone fighter who was out battling the world. And that was that one person that was going to change the world. And there may, be, there may be still opportunities for that. I don't want to knock it down. But for the rest of us, starting smart means finding your own tribe, finding your peers. Um, you're much smarter in a group than you are on your own. So that's one of the reasons I helped start the Center for Ageless Entrepreneurs is to give people a peer group that they can get behind closed doors and ask each other questions, compare notes, give suggestions uh, with your peers. You'd still be a one person operation, but you're in a tribe. You're in your own network. Um, I find that to be the most valuable advice I can give anybody. I get it. So tell us something more about your books. You know, like you have written, written a bunch of books. So like what the books are all about, what's the one which has inspired the most to the audience, you know? Right. Well, the one that I've gotten, I've done writing my whole life of all different sorts, but the book I was just published was a book and it's on Amazon. It's called Ageless Startup, Start a Business at Any Age. Mm -hmm. And it's under my my name, Rick Terrian, T-E-R-R-I-E-N. It's easy. That was my plug. Uh, it's easy to find. And what I did is I took, uh, I broke it into a simple, uh, steps as I could possibly want in to, to tell people to make sure that they at least touched each of those metrics as they advanced in their business. But my editor, and I was quite mad at her when she made me do it, uh, she made me put in all kinds of checklists, mm -hmm. you know, insurance and banking. And I, mean, I hate that stuff. And yet you've got to do it. I know it. I've done it. And many people tell me now that those checklists are among the most valuable parts of the book. Um, I wrote it to be short and skinny and inspirational. And it is that. Um, inside the book, 
it was really wonderful. I got to interview older entrepreneurs from all over the world and just let them tell me about themselves. And those are, to me, are some of the most inspiring parts of the book is to learn from the old, older entrepreneurs about how they set it up. And it covers the waterfront. It covers for-profit businesses and non-profit businesses and social ventures. Everybody's yeah. got a little spin on what they want to do and how they want to take it forward. And hearing it directly from people, how it took them more time than they thought and how they built their organizations and then the awards that came to them from all over the world. <laughs> cool. Awesome. 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 So tell us something more about your inventions. You know, like you have done a bunch of inventions now. I, I am an inventor. I grew up in a family of inventors. My dad was an inventor. Um, sort of a family business, but we focused on water treatment, fluid treatment inside of manufacturing plants. So my dad invented some very fancy equipment and I used to have to keep the dumb stuff out of the smart stuff that my dad built. I did it as a young teenager, I was building. So you'd get the oil and the junk and the garbage out so that his equipment could do the work that it was intended to. Well, I left that and I started a couple other businesses in the meantime. One of them was uh, went 25 years and was still going at 40 years. But I, when I was selling that business, I noticed that there was still an opportunity for the early part of that water treatment. There's many people smarter than I am working on stuff like my dad invented, but they mm -hmm. all needed to keep the oil and the junk and the dead raccoons and all everything out of their fancy equipment. So I went to a company that I loved and I had friends working at. It was Harley Davidson, the motorcycle manufacturer. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, I know you've got a problem inside that plant. Let me go help you fix it. Yeah. And it was a problem of oil getting all over these industrial fluids. So I screwed things up for a while and finally came on to a good solution. And um, it took we're still recycling. I think every motorcycle built since 1998, the engine parts have all gone through our equipment. Um, and it started out, I working in the just the grungiest kind of old factories. Uh, I was in metal heat treating, which is a pretty huh? medieval process. Uh, and by the end of it, when I was leaving, uh, we were selling it to the companies building spacecraft. It uh, was considered best in the world for pre-treating water going into high quality manufacturing. So have I bored you with my history of uh, our equipment yet? I do, I get it, I get it, it's awesome, cool. It was, it, it, the problems still exist. You may have seen on the news, there was just a terrible train derailment right near where I live here and I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It was in New Palestine, Ohio, about 50 miles away. And the same problems still exist, even in open water oil spills. Uh, there was oil, those train car derailments dumped oil all over the waterways. And they're still struggling to get that water, that oil out of those waterways. It was two weeks afterwards, and I was seeing pictures mm -hmm. of the main waterway through their little town still covered in oil. So I've uh, put the band back together. Uh, we've started to build some equipment and design some new equipment for open water oil spills. 
Uh, I just saw some uh, reviews of it this morning, some videos, and I'm very excited. I haven't put in any new patent applications in 20 years, and uh, we're about to launch some new ones. I'm really excited about it. I get it. Awesome. My last question, pretty much going to be Yvonne, I guess. Tell me the bridge or the difference between the young and old entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs which are somewhere at the age of 20, 25, and entrepreneurs which are at the age of 50, 55. Right. Can I budge one of your metrics downward a little bit? The you young can. entrepreneurs, um, I've got a school right near where I live that it's the only school focused on kindergarten to eighth grade. Yeah. that's focused on teaching entrepreneurship. Again. And I've got a project now. And so Rohit, to answer your question directly, I've just got to get your permission to go a little younger. Go um, in my research for that book, one of the things that I found was a biggest hurdle to becoming an entrepreneur is not knowing enough entrepreneurs. Hmm. And so that's that center for ageless entrepreneurs. So older entrepreneurs can meet each other but there's this chasm with the really young people. They, their idea of entrepreneurship is people on the covers of magazines with big yachts and mountains in the background. And, <laughs> um, you know, that exists, but it's a tiny sliver of the world. Most people yeah. are just out building solutions for their communities. So this school, which is the Penn Hills Charter School of Entrepreneurship, and my organization, the Center for Ageless Entrepreneurs, are going to set off an interview and recording process. They're going to start podcasts where we have the young entrepreneurs interviewing the older ones um, and sharing wisdom in both directions. It's not just that the older people have coming down off the mountain with all their knowledge. Young people, especially the even the youngest of kids, have really great ideas that the world surely needs and people up in their teens and 20s. The, the, you have to save the world for us. It's your, it's the young people's job to do that. And yet we've got this whole cadre of older people that we're pushing out the door. You've got to be 60 or 65, time for you to go and retire. <laughs> and those people, yeah. they know all of the history of their industries and all, how to start these perilous little enterprises. Am I goal is to join those two knowledge bases together through an interview process like you and I are doing. Yeah, I get it. And, and do you think like there is a difference between the mindset as well, between the young entrepreneurs and the old entrepreneurs? I'm not just, talk, I'm not just talking about being as an, uh, like just as an entrepreneur, but I'm just talking about the generational gap, you can say as well, you know? Yeah. So the most hopeful part of that and my answer to you is young people don't see any limits and they think they can pretty much get anything done. And you know what? I believe them. I, there is nothing that can't be done by human beings. I mm -hmm. truly believe that. What happens, though, in the older generation, their mindset is different. I'm not going to say better or worse, but it's different in that they know that things are going to take longer. And that's probably going to be not exactly the outcome you planned and that you need to learn how to turn left and right and zigzag through life. <laughs> um, 
I need the younger people with all that enthusiasm yeah. for changing the world to learn where the bumper guards are. And if they want to jump over those bumper guards and skip them, that's fine too. But I don't want them to get damaged in their uh, defending their solutions and growing their solutions for the world. We need a lot of new solutions and I can't wait to connect these two uh, generations together. But I think like, let's say there's a young entrepreneur who can even skip and can win, you know? So what do you think? And old guy who is just running small, steady, but will take long, you know? Whereas the young guy has already did within just has skipped each step, but still won, you know? And so you're asking, what would I say to that younger person? Yeah. Um. I would tell them to keep going and go as go right. as carefully as they yeah. can. Yes. Um, it's so easy to lose money. Yeah. In in your in in in, a, in enthusiasm, at a at a point of enthusiasm, because you think everything's young people, God bless them, think everything's going to work, and life isn't like that. Uh, Many of the things I've tried did work when I was sure that they would. I was positive. And then I ran into some brick wall I didn't know was coming. Um, so I don't want to dampen the enthusiasm of young people, mm -hmm. especially those with innovations and technical innovations. And we've got climate change. We've got all these things that need to be addressed immediately. Yeah. I really want to encourage them to reach out to maybe their grandparents or their parents and ask, all right, I'm on this path. What should I be thinking about? And what should I be concerned about? Not to stop them, but to help them. And I want the young people to tell the old people, don't go so slow, get going. <laughs> we need everybody. We need all hands on deck. Yeah. Um, there's a good balance in there. Do you think like the compatibility will come up? between these two guys, whereas one wants to go that way and the another wants to go that way? <laughs> I, I very much do, Rohit. I really do. I think that once they recognize, because we're all taught that this our, our societies are siloed, got young people, Generation Z and millennials and boomers, and <laughs> all these little silos have been imposed on us when in fact, if we can get together, I think we can create new and better solutions that are more effective and more durable and more sustainable than the bunch that my generation has foisted on the world. Because Gen Z guy will say to the old guy, yo man, you have to run fast, run fast, run fast. Otherwise someone else will win. How we can win? Run fast, run fast. And the old guy will say, yo man, I'm just running on. I cannot move on. So... <sighs> I, and the other the other question back from the old guy to the young person here yeah. is, what do you mean by winning? Uh, do you need the most money? Well, that's a different kind of a business. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. But yeah. if you want a, a business that can make money, it, businesses have to do that. But if you can design your life that you can help a, your community, a community you love, uh, a, a market that you know and love. There's nothing wrong with not making the most money in the world and not being on the cover of magazines, 
but to be able to make a living and support your family, support your schools, pay the library fines, go to church, uh, all those things and make a wonderful life out of it. Entrepreneurship can be a valuable path. Magazine covers are not easy. If someone is getting started from scratch, if someone having a silver spoon or the gold spoon, that's easy for them, like a general party, you know, but not for all. You know that. It is not for all. And, and I'm the first one to tell people that when I was doing the survey for the book and I was focusing on information about older people, but I think it probably defines most of the population. In the United States, there's about 100 million people between 45 and 70. And most of them, 75% of them don't want anything to do with entrepreneurship. You know, they're either sick or they've got parents to take care of or kids to take care of or they're just had enough of working. That's fine. Um, I'm not going to get those people. But 25 percent, which in the U.S. is 25 million people in India. Imagine what 25 percent of that population, total population is. And if we put that many people to work, working on things they love and working on solutions that they know they can make a contribution to, we can make the world a whole heck of a lot better place. Yeah. Yeah. It's not for everybody, but for those that have an interest, they need to learn that it isn't just what we're fed entrepreneurship is. It can be smaller scale. It can be one or two or three people. Entrepreneurship is... Business is not just a one thing game. You cannot, anyone can never be like, yo man, I want to make this much of money in this, this, this can never happen if you don't have a right plan, you know, this can take right. long, this can take long, and this can take, because businesses can even make money within the first six months as well. Businesses can even take as long as five, six years as well to get profitable or more. Very much so. And especially when you spread the timeline and the types of businesses across for-profit oh. and non-profit and these social venture businesses, yeah. there's a whole range of timelines and approaches. Anybody can make one fit for their own life. Awesome. Awesome, Rick. Well, thank you so much for getting into the show, sharing your... Rohit, I've enjoyed our conversation, Rohit. Thank you. Awesome. I think like we have loved it and audience will obviously love it. Like we got to learn a lot and yeah, thank you so much for getting in. I appreciated our conversation. Thank you, Roy.